sorry, any of our preschoolers that want to go. And then I'm going to meet with our children up at the front for just a few minutes. So any of our elementary school age kids that would like to come and sit on the floor at the front. Otherwise, it's going to be real awkward for me up here doing a children's sermon without any children. But I can actually do it. Yeah, if y'all just sit down. Why if y'all sit down on the floor? Come on, Gabe. What does your shirt say? Jesus strong. I like that. That's cool. Hey, so this morning, I'm going to be talking about missions. And we talked a little bit about that last Sunday. And uh, Christmas season is the season that we talk about and we pray for and we give to missions. And I know y'all are still young, but you're going to see this in our church's life as you grow up, that at Christmas time, we're going to talk about missions. Now, we talk about missions other times, but, but we're going to, especially at Christmas, we're going to talk about missions. We're going to, we're going to pray for our missionaries, and we're going to give our money uh, for missions. And so, obviously, I told y'all last Sunday that missions is when we take the message about Jesus to someone who's never heard so that they can hear the message of Jesus so they could give their hearts to Jesus. And I want to talk this morning about one lady, and I did this several years ago, but I realize there's a turnover in this group about every four years. Um, our missions offering is named after a woman by the name of Lottie Moon. And so I'll talk about it later. We call ours the World Mission Offering, but in a lot of Baptist churches, it's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And Lottie Moon was a missionary in China for a bunch of years. In fact, she died on Christmas Eve. And in just a minute, when I dismiss you, we're going to watch a video about her and people that she inspired. But uh, actually, it was Lottie Moon that was the first one who called on Southern Baptist churches to set aside the Christmas season uh, to pray for and give to missions. And that was in the year, mm, listen to this, 1887. That was 130 years ago. This Christmas, Lottie Moon wrote a letter back to the women in Southern Baptist life and, and challenged them to pray for and give towards missions during the Christmas season. Now, Lottie Moon was raised, she was born in 1880. I'm sorry, she was born in 1840. And uh, she was from Virginia. She was from a wealthy family. Uh, Lottie Moon wasn't very tall. She was four foot nine. Uh, I think of my wife as being short, but my wife was a lot taller than Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was was short. Um, it was not until 1858 that she became a Christian. And she was in a service and she actually went to church to make fun of people who were Christians and God got a hold of her heart and she gave her life to Jesus, 1858. She became a school teacher. Hmm. Any of y'all have a school teacher? Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, I knew the answer to that question. Um, in Georgia, and in her home church, one of the famous people of 
in Southern Baptist life, Dr. John Broadus preached a sermon um, in the spring of 1873. And Lottie Moon, as a single woman, school teacher, walked the aisle that Sunday and she told Dr. John Broadus, she said, I have long known that God has called me to go to China. And in September of that year, she got on a boat because that's the only way to get to China in 1873 was on a boat. And she left for China and she never came back to the United States. She stayed there for the next 39 years. She dressed like a Chinese woman and she learned their language and she told them about Jesus and many people came to faith. At the end of her life, a famine came where they didn't have food in China. And I am told, and maybe in this video, I don't know, she weighed 50 pounds when she died. In fact, she didn't want to come home. Southern Baptist sent a nurse to go get Lottie Moon and physically had to put her on a boat to come back to America, except on Christmas Eve, I believe 1912, on that ship off the coast of Japan, Lottie Moon died after 39 years. And she was buried, is buried, I believe in Virginia today. And her tombstone says, faithful unto death, uh, Lottie Moon. And because she called on Southern Baptist to uh, women first to set aside and pray for missions at Christmas time. We named the Christmas offering in the week of prayer after her. And so for the last 130 years, at Christmas time, we have prayed for and we have given to missions because of what, how Lottie Moon inspired us. Gabe, did you have a question? What, how did Lottie Moon die? She basically starved herself to death because the Chinese people didn't have food and she gave away her resources and her food and uh, she was, how old would she have been? 73, it may have been 1913 when she died. Anyhow, somebody Google that for me. 1912, 1913. She died of starvation uh, off the coast of Japan on a ship headed home Christmas Eve, I believe 1912. And so I've got a video about Lottie Moon that we're going to show as we talk about missions this morning. So I want y'all to, to go back to your seats, watch the video, and watch the people that were inspired by Lottie Moon's life. I pray that no missionary will ever be as lonely as I have been. working alone in a city of many thousand inhabitants, with numberless villages clustered around or stretching away. How many can I reach?
please say to the new missionaries that they are coming to a life of hardship, responsibility, and constant self-denial. I wanted to do whatever I could do to ensure that my time would be focused on Jesus. A young man should ask himself, not if it is his duty to go to the lost, but if he may dare stay at home. So when the opportunity came and said, we will support you and help you share Jesus at a place that's halfway around the world, I said, that sounds like the best possible thing that can happen. And for the longest time, I just started praying, do you want me to live overseas? And and I remember just a clear, yes, like, this is where I want you to go. My memory was haunted by the words of Scripture, that no man take thy crown. As time went by, the work was so hard. It seemed to me that here was a woman doing the work of some young man among our churches in America who ought to be here. I couldn't help but wonder someday, is there somebody out there back home that isn't listening to this call. If the joy of the Lord be their strength, the blessedness of the work will more than compensate for its hardships. You have such a love and burden for the people that there's a certain amount of trust that you have to give away to God and it's hard to do that sometimes, to let go. Let them come rejoicing to suffer for the sake of that Lord and Master who freely gave his life for them. I want to give them this. I want to share with them what God has done in my life, how he changed me. upon my soul. And I cannot be silent. We as Southern Baptists um, live out the legacy of not only Lottie Moon, but so many who have gone before us and many that serve today uh, out of our pews to take the gospel to places that would never hear apart from what they do in their ministries. But missions started before Lottie Moon, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, missions started in the heart of God and it stretches to the call today to take the gospel into all the world and I want to talk about that and uh, just challenge us with that this morning as a church that mission started in the heart of God and stretches to the call even today to take the gospel into all the world Jesus uh, talked about the end of time. And in Matthew 24, 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus tells us 
that it may have started in the heart of God, but missions in the gospel will go out into all the world, and until it goes out into all the world, the end will not come. When we look to the Old Testament, we see that uh, the whole world, all peoples, were on the heart of God, and God had a redemptive plan for them. In the call of Abraham in Genesis 12, so obviously Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and so there's been creation, there's been the wickedness that has grown, there has been the great flood in Noah's ark, there's been the Tower of Babel, and then there is Abraham. Actually starts in Genesis 11, but in Genesis 12, the call of Abraham. So out of all the peoples of the earth, God chose Abraham and his lineage. And it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And here it is, verse 3 of Genesis 12. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. From the very beginning, God's heart is that all people would hear the gospel and would be blessed. He simply chose Abraham and his lineage in which to do that. And so all through the Old Testament, we could spend quite a bit of time this morning going through the Old Testament to see where God didn't just call the Jews, He called the Jews and He blessed them so that then they, through them and through their lineage, and specifically Jesus, all the families of the earth would be blessed by God. We could go all the way through the Old Testament. We come to the New Testament to the life of Jesus And obviously we could look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when we come to the end of Jesus' life and his ministry, in Matthew 28, when he spoke to the disciples about what they were going to supposed to do now, what we call the Great Commission, he says to them in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all, all the nations. It's interesting that that word for nations is the word ethnos. Uh, quite honestly, when I was a young man and I was a young pastor, kind of the understanding of that was that we have to go to all the nations of the earth. And so we could go to Guinea. And we go, okay, well, if we can establish a Christian witness in Guinea, then we kind of can kind of check off that nation. But actually what Jesus was talking about was people groups, ethnos, and people groups. And that's kind of developed in the time since I was at seminary um, that it's the people groups. And there's something like 12,000 different people groups. A people group is a a group of people uh, uh, that are defined by their language, their culture, their history. They have a sense of identity. And when we go to Africa, uh, we go to the Kanyanka people. 
And uh, there will be people who kind of speak a language similar to theirs and live close to them. But the Kenyanka people, oh, no, no, they are not one of us. And it's amazing. They will know. No, that, that man, that man he is from, he is, he is, he is Pele. Hmm. He is Pele. Hmm. Or they will have these things. And so I want you to understand when Jesus gave the commission to the first disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all the ethnos, all the people groups of the world. He had all the nations, all the peoples on his heart. And so he doubles down on this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The call to the first disciples is that the gospel would go into all the earth, to all the nations, all the ethnos, to the very ends of the earth. The early church struggled with this. They didn't really go out until God sent persecution. They began to go out. There was a church set up in Antioch. Barnabas goes there. Barnabas goes to secure the help of a young man named Saul of Tarsus. And in Acts 13, the church of Antioch, led by the Holy Spirit, lay hands on and pray and send out Saul and Barnabas to go and to preach the gospel to those as far as they knew would never hear unless they went out. And the rest of the book of Acts is the story of that first century or several decades into the first century of the early church of quite honestly it focuses on Paul of taking the gospel into all the world and one of the kind of the farthest off places that Paul could imagine was Rome and eventually Paul got to Rome and he dies in Rome but years before that when Paul was writing to the Romans he spoke to them about this call that the gospel had to go out into all the people into the furthest ends of the earth and he said in Romans 10 he said for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul was teaching the Romans, and he's teaching us today, that the gospel has to go out to all the peoples, of the earth and that kind of takes us through the first century and then historically what we see is after a couple centuries that there were some dark times in the church for century after century and uh, you stretch all the way into the 1700s that basically this call to take the gospel in all the world had virtually been lost by the church 
And then of all places and all people, an obscure young man by the name of William Carey who didn't even make shoes, he repaired shoes. He was a cobbler. God laid the world on William Carey's heart. It is where today we as Baptists would trace our lineage back to. Why? Who was it that taught Lottie Moon? Well, it was people like William Carey. Actually, in the history books, William Carey is known as the father of modern-day missions. Yes, and Paul in the early church went out and took the gospel, but there were so many dark centuries that it was a, it was a calling that had to be recommitted to. William Carey in central England, Northamptonshire region, who was a cobbler. I think he was 14 years of age and he went to be the apprentice for another man who was a cobbler and that man shared the gospel with William Carey and William Carey, God had laid the world on his heart. He eventually becomes a pastor and in 1792 he challenged those in the Baptist churches around him in that part of England that they would organize and they would send out missionaries into the world and William Carey uh, was sent out as the first missionary 1793 to the country of India he took his young family and inspired by William Carey they formed what they called a, a missions society an organization to support those missionaries and William Carey went Oh, for the next 40 years or so to India, and he translated scripture, he shared the gospel, he started churches, he started schools to educate and to train pastors, and he becomes known as the father of modern missions. He lost two wives, and I know that he had at least one son that died while he was in India where he spent the rest of his life. He died in 1834. He was the one who started what we would consider modern missions today. He was a Baptist. He's a part of our legacy. And so then you, you go into the 1800s and you go to Lottie Moon and many others that begin to go and we formed and we organized the Southern Baptists and eventually today... Our organization is called the International Mission Board. It used to be the Foreign Mission Board when I was a young pastor. It's International Mission Board now. It is our organization that we use to facilitate the sending of missionaries out into all the world. Uh, the call, the responsibility for us is really threefold and I want to share this with you and I have a couple videos I want you to see we have to go we have to give and we have to pray uh, God has to send people from our midst to go to places where there is no gospel 
witness. We know some of these people. Dietrich and Chandra Kaufman are in Guinea today. They've been in our church, I think, the first Sunday of December, I don't know, several years ago. And then a couple years ago, the missionaries, the Makeskas that Byron worked with in Manchester, uh, they have been in our midst and talked to us. In fact, I want us, I want us to show the, the Makeskas video. They are one of our couples on our week of prayer. I want you to see the video. I have four boys. When, uh, when we're walking around and when we're out and about, everyone sees us and we are a sight to be seen. You know, we catch people's eyes because we are different than everyone else. So I get questions all the time because they've heard about the American lady with four boys. So through that, it's open doors of just being real, but also it allows me to say, I can't do it on my own. I only do it through Christ, I'm a Christian. And I'm not the perfect mom. I do get upset at my, my kids and I have to ask for forgiveness for them. So it allows me to be real, but also share the gospel. It allows me to meet other Christian moms, some of the ones that I meet to come over and we can pray together and I can encourage them and challenge them to, to be a light to people around them. As we look at our family, they're one of the best things to engage people with the gospel. And it was literally through our kids that we're able to just to meet families, um, to engage people in, in parks, have people around our house for barbecues, and loving people, and they help us show love to others as well. And so it's really just a, a, really a family effort that we really want to see the gospel engaging people all across London. And so with that comes a family. I could just ask you to pray for my kids who are young, but the desire of our heart is that they would come to know Jesus because they don't know Jesus even though they're missionary kids. Please pray for us as we plant a church in Kingston. God has opened a door for us to have this building to meet in, and so we're at the beginning stages of trying to launch a church. Please pray for us. So as we've just started this new church plant, we ask you to pray for us as we reach out to people and people come to the church that one person would get saved. We pray for salvation. That is on Shay and I's heart that we've been praying for the last eight months is, Lord, give us someone that we can disciple and share Christ with and do life with so that they can be a part of the church and see what community and church and being a part of the body of Christ is about. One of the things that we do in our specific ministry is, is what we call life on life disciple making. We really are intentional about building relationships with students and millennials. Please pray for us as we engage with students across London. Uh, we do a lot of events that you can pray for. We do gig nights, uh, we do dinner nights, we do quizzes. And so pray that God would open doors for us to build relationships and share the gospel with people. Shane and Lindsay, definitely in my student years, were almost everything to my spiritual walk apart from Jesus because they really, they just shaped everything that I knew about the gospel, everything that I developed in my theology, the way that I lived my life, the way that I made my choices. It was really hard becoming a Christian at 18 because my family and friends, none of them were Christians at all. And, you know, I'd come on a scene where I was taking drugs, partying all the time, where I could just do whatever I wanted without any consequences. And they just showed me that there was another way to live your life and enjoy it without having to have all, you know, the messy stuff with it as well. I think really they filled a massive hole that I had never had from, from my family growing up. And it was just really, really nice.
from a church just like ours. And that would probably be the very typical story uh, for our 3,600 missionaries for us as Southern Baptists, that they have come from churches just like ours because the call is that some of us have to go. Um, for us as Southern Baptists, we have career missionaries like the McKeskas, the Kaufmans. If you're maybe new to our church, you realize that also we go. Uh, we've adopted a people group. We work with our missionaries, but basically we go to a people group in Guinea, uh, the Kanyanka people, and we take the gospel there. Do you realize the need in our world is so great, we cannot pay enough people to do the work that God needs to do. And so the other thing that has really changed in my time as a pastor is this call for the church to mobilize and to adopt people groups and to go and do that. If you're here this morning and you have been with our church or you are going with our church to the Kenyanka people, would you stand at this time? You have been or you are going. David Box is awesome. There's others, but uh, all right, thank you. Um, we have career missionaries. We have people from our church. We are called to go to places where there is virtually no gospel witness. It is the call that Jesus gave the church. The other component, the second component, is that we also have to give. Um, when you know these missionaries, you realize that there is, there has to be financial support for them to be out on the fields and to give their lives and to leave their life in America to go to these places. There are several ways that we as a church give to support our missionaries. One of the ways is through our cooperative program. It is 13% of our budget. And yes, the cooperative program goes to uh, some state missions and seminaries, but also half of it that goes to the Southern Baptist Convention goes to the International Mission Board. And so what I realize is that, uh, oh, somewhere around 45% of the International Mission Board budget comes from cooperative program money as our church and many churches like ours give to the cooperative program and that goes on to the International Mission Board and other um, mission sending agencies and seminaries and such that our missionaries are supported. Do you realize that 50, uh, somewhere around 55% of the budget for the International Mission Board comes from, do you get this? the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Over half of their budget comes in through the emphasis during this month uh, from our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, or as we call it, um, the World Mission Offering. In fact, the goal this year, the national goal, is $160 million uh, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We as a church years ago started having what we call uh, the World Mission Offering, and in which instead of taking offerings for international missions, North American missions, state missions, and associational missions or local missions, we said we're going to do it one time a year, and we're going to call it the World Mission Offering. So the money that you give this month 
50% of that will go to international missions. 25% of that will go to North American missions. 15% of that will go to state missions. And 10% will go to associational or local missions. You understand that there has to be financial support for our missionaries to be out on the field. Let me also tell you this, so that you just understand. This is almost like a family meeting. Just understand this. Uh, Years ago, we used to have over 5,000 Southern Baptist missionaries, career missionaries around the world, 5,000. If you were listening earlier and you're prepared for the pop quiz at the end of this, 3,600 missionaries. And uh, several years ago, when Dr. David Platt, who's going to be our last video this morning, um, came on board, they began to look at the finances of the International Mission Board and they realized that things had to be tightened up. Uh, They were having to sell properties in different places to support our missionaries that were already on the field. And even a couple years ago, probably we had 4,300 missionaries, but we were down to 3,600 missionaries now. Uh, But we are in a uh, very good place financially now, the International Mission Board, and they are starting to appoint missionaries. And those numbers, I'll just tell you, will grow in the years to come. We have to believe Uh, there has to be the financial support of Southern Baptists. And one of the reasons we have to have Sundays like this is we have to understand that when we give our church, the money goes to the cooperative program and supports our our, our missionaries. When we have a world mission offering, it it is a lifeline financially for our Southern Baptist missionaries. It is very critical. The other component, we must go, we must give, We must pray. If there's one thing the missionaries want from us, need from us, will ask us for, is our prayers. And that's why we have the prayer guides, and you can look at those, and those prayer guides, yes, focus on uh, different families like the McKeskas and others, and it talks about also regions and some other things that they ask us to pray for. It's from this Sunday Until next Sunday, you take one, you be faithful to pray, and um, not only pray during the week of prayer, but you pray uh, for specifically those uh, that we know, uh, like the McKeskas, like the Coffins, who have been in our church. Um, The challenge has been put in our lap. That missions, yes, started in the heart of God, but it stretches to the call today to take the gospel into all the world. We have to go. We have to give. We have to pray for us to do the job that God has called us to do. Several years ago, Dr. David Platt, who wrote the book Radical, other books, pastor from Alabama, he was called, quite honestly, as the young buck in Southern Baptist life, to head up the International Mission Board, and he had a heart for missions, and his church did a lot of missions. And uh, I wanted to end this morning, this time, with uh, it's a video from Dr. David Platt. So we're going to conclude with that, and then we'll have our time of invitation. I don't have question. I want to say thank you. Because you came, I heard the gospel, and God saved me and my family, and through us, many others. Amen.
I was blown away when this brother from Central Asia stood at the SBC meeting in June after I gave our report to just say thank you for how IMB missionaries have reached his people. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. And his story has resonated with so many people, been shared, talked about in churches, on the internet, because his story and so many others like it, this is what the IMB is all about. We partner with Southern Baptist churches to empower limitless missionary teams who are making disciples, multiplying churches among unreached people and unreached places for the glory of God. You think about Lottie Moon Christmas Offering Cooperative Program. Together, Southern Baptist churches have given over $250 million this last year to fund mission efforts around the world. And as a result of that giving, over 87,000 people have professed faith in Christ for the first time. Over 4,500 churches have started in places where churches have not been before as a result of our partnership together. Southern Baptists are generous. We regularly hear stories of their commitment individually and as churches to give sacrificially. I think about Madeline Ray who wrote me a letter this year wanting to use her wish from the Make-A-Wish Foundation to fund work among unreached people. In this letter, she said, I just want to be a part of getting the gospel to those who have never heard it. She said, I determined that making a donation to the IMB for unreached people would be an eternally effective way to use my wish. Now her single wish will echo into eternity as unreached people hear the gospel for the first time as a result of her generosity. Because of that sort of generous giving, IMB is once again on firm financial ground. This year we are poised to begin sending more and more missionaries in the coming days and I'm convinced our churches are ready to do that. Already this year we sent out 193 new missionaries with still more to come. I think about one such missionary, Abuk. She fled from her home country of South Sudan with her family when she was young. They landed in Amarillo, Texas, and God and His sovereignty connected them with First Baptist Church there, and that church is now sending her out on mission in partnership with the IMB. It is an awesome scene when the mission field becomes a mission force. That is what is happening through our cooperative work together among unreached peoples and places around the world. Thank you for the opportunity to partner together with you in this eternally important work. Thank you for praying, for giving, for sending people with the gospel to those who have never heard the gospel. Let's keep doing this work together so that God's fame will be made known among people who've never heard the name of Jesus. Would you, would, would you stand with me this morning? Um, this is the one thing that God has given us to do until He returns. And so let us do it passionately and with great commitment. Y'all let me lead us in prayer and then we'll have our time of invitation. Father, I pray today that you would uh, help us to get a glimpse into your heart that loves all people and wants all people to hear, uh, Father, the saving grace through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts in these days, uh, that, Father, whatever 
ability or resources that we have, uh, that, Father, we would use those for the expanding of your kingdom into all the world. And so, Father, I pray that you would um, help us to live out that legacy of so many that have gone before us and that you'd help us to do it with passion and conviction, Father. And so we trust that to you, Father, and we pray it in Jesus' name.